The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. You need to take this round and finish him right here. Put the pressure on him, get him on the ground, and finish him. He's tired, just like we knew he was going to be. This is your fight, Carlo. Go and get it. Go get it. I mean, who doesn't need more safe salud in their life? Welcome to UFC Unfiltered. Please tell me that's on video. I've never been happier. I'm made for a fucking podcast. That's dangerous. Listen to me, we're out of here. Welcome to UFC Unfiltered. I am super excited. When I got the news that I'm going to have a co-host, and I'm like, okay, cool, I'm excited. Phoenix, I love Phoenix. Is it my buddy Jamie English? Who could it be? Then they said it's a, a former fighter. And I go, stop playing fucking games. It's better not be Shoney Carter. And listen, we, I wish I had a drum roll. I'm going to... Jen's mother effing pulver, little evil, is in the house. I wish I had an applause button. We don't have shit right now, Jens. We're, we're resuming. Got it, <laughs> I got it. The first lightweight champion in the UFC. And uh, I'm so... Listen... I'm so happy to catch up with you today, buddy. I know. It's been a minute, hasn't it? It's been they, a minute. <laughs> when they said that I was going to get to come on here and hang with I was like, oh, you got to be kidding me. Is this for real? Like, yeah. I was like, all right. Yeah, I'm all excited. I got up all early. I was all ready. I was in my jammies. And I'm like, yeah. Oh, I can't. I got, I'm like, I'm, yeah, I'm nervous. I'm like a kid, all scared. Like, I don't want to say anything wrong. I'm like, this is Matt and Sarah in front of me. I love this. You kidding? Yeah, I love it. James, you were always, for now, listen. People, diehards, and not diehards, regular guys who watch the fights, they, if they have any knowledge of MMA, they should know who Jens Pulver is, okay? But, hey, listen, we got some young kids out there, uh, Jens, and they, who knows, maybe if they don't, I, they, I don't get, I, sometimes I give out like homework assignments on this <laughs> show. I tell them to try to watch The Mandalorian. I just, I slip things in to try to like, you know, things that I like, I try to get my audience into, but, and fighters that I like. Uh, they should throw your name in, in, uh, in UFC Fight Pass. Because, dude, you were, back in the day, you're still the man to me, but back in the day, you were the guy, Jens Pulver. 
You were the champion. I was a little one, yeah. I mean, someone had to create the lightweight division. I just didn't want to fight at 170. I was too, you know, and that's what they were telling me was, you're going to have to just get bigger. You know, I mean, I was a small guy. And so even fighting at 155 was a decent, you know, I was like, hey, that's okay. I finally got to go to 135. But in the beginning, just to have that opportunity to even try to create the 155-pound division, because you 170s are too big. And then when I got to Militage Camp, and I had Hughes and all these guys like, way way too big for me for 170 you know but so it's cool to be able to start that you know yeah it's it's funny because a lot of people like gins i think i've heard the name then you hear little evil like okay i've heard little evil wait that's you i'm like yeah that's me you're that guy i'm like yeah that's me no way i'm like no it's me (laughs) it bothers me and i talked about this because you know uh, a, a gentleman that you faced back in the day is uh, before the UFC was uh, Dean Thomas. Remember Dean my Thomas? favorite. He's the reason why I don't get to wear. Of course, I remember him. He's the reason why I took my shoes off after he got me in that heel hook. Dean and Thomas. it was oh, he destroyed me in a heel hook. And well, it's yeah. it's a crazy story how we. It, but because of that, I was like, oh, I'm never wearing shoes again. And so I'm gonna try Sambo <laughs> socks or something. I'm never wearing wrestling shoes back again. Back in the day. Back in the day, that was that was in like that was probably what's that 99, 98, you 14 times? something like that, yeah, something, something like that. Yeah, that was yeah, the, yeah, it was last millennium, yep, it, <laughs> it was. was <laughs> and you know, Dean Thomas, <laughs> you know, Dean Thomas is funny because he's a very he, we're still we're very good friends, me and Dean. We still, oh, I watch you too, I follow you too, running them out. You guys I are can. awesome, <laughs> awesome, but you know, like, listen, he's with us, with being one of those old school guys, and we'll talk about your victories. You brought up that Dean Thomas fight, he did a Listen, before it was in style, he did, I think, a a jumping heel hook. You know, he sat to the heel hook on you or something. Yeah, he, the way he rolled, I think he did like an Imanari roll. And yes. I'll be damned if I ran into an inside. It wasn't an outside heel hook. It was an inside. Yeah. And he cranked and that boy just snapped and the knee and everything. went. I was like, ah, what is this? What is this? Yes. <laughs> I know, you didn't, you know? It was so new back then. Yeah, I still, like I said, I was still the guy that the only difference between wrestling practice and fighting is I took my shirt off. That was pretty much it. I just peeled my shirt off, but the shoes, the knee brace, the yeah. shorts, you know, so that was still my outfit. You know? Back then it wasn't even MMA. I believe it was NHB. It was still NHB. And well, that I was in the UFC and that I think the show was called WEF. WF, yes. I believe, or something, right? WF. Something and like that. So, yeah. but I was able to rotate between the two because yeah. fights were so few and far between in the UFC. They allowed you to actually fight in other organizations. So that's ironic how I got, I lost to Dean, but then I still had my fight in the UFC, which would have been against John Lewis. And I walked into that, I was completely wow. crippled and I couldn't walk because of the fight with Dean, but I ended up knocking out John Lewis. And Crazy then when that. the Fertitas bought the UFC right after that fight, they're like, all right, we need that guy who just knocked out our coach. And that's when they sent me off to watch Uno fight Rumina Sato defend his belt. And they said, that's who you're fighting for the world title. So it's a weird transition. Then everybody kept talking about this rematch with Dan. And I said, well, here's what will happen. I will take over to the top. You know what I mean? I'm going to, I'm going to keep skyrocketing to the top. And if Din is the same person, he's going to skyrocket and we'll meet and we'll meet again. And that's basically how I looked at, you know, how I I took that loss and just kept on running forward and trying to become the first UFC lightweight champion. Yeah. And man, we fought on so many, so many of the same cards, you know, remember 2001, it was right after 9-11 and you fought Dennis Hallman. Yeah. Or was that for the, that was your first defense or was first that for defense, the belt? First defense. No, it's first defense. 
it, do you remember the feeling back then? Yes. How we were, how, you know, Vegas was a ghost town. Yep. Crazy. Oh, and then everybody getting on a plane. I remember everybody yes. freaking out. And I mean, it, everybody was scared. Everybody was scary. People going to the bathroom. Right. There was like, not really trying, you know, it was, yeah, it was, it was a rough time. Uh, and then here we were yeah. about to fight, which, yeah, it was just, it was too much. It was crazy. Like I was just telling somebody the same thing about, do you remember Columbine high school? Of course. Yes. That that the shooting. Yes. Well, when that I was going through and watching the boss rooting, my first boss rooting that I fought in was the exact same weekend after the Columbine. And I remember all the trucks. I remember going to the fence, seeing the school and paying my respects. And yeah. here we were doing this backyard, you know, this UFC NHB fighting at the same token as with Columbine. So yeah. always around fighting, we had some weird things. But I do remember getting ready for the UFC right after the 9-11. It was just somber. Get on a plane. It's almost like it is kind of now with the whole COVID and everything. Yes. Just it's it's yes. You know, it puts things in perspective. It really yep. does. I mean, I fought Eve Edwards. That was my second fight in the UFC. I fought on that card also, and I fought Eve Edwards. I ended up getting the victory. But I remember being the first time in my life that I was really like stressed before a fight, and then nine eleven happened, and then I'm like, what am I? What am I? What am I so stressed about? I go, this is. If I lose a fight, if that's the, I mean, that's the worst thing that could happen to me, you know, and I'm out of the UFC, I could fight my way back in. I have, there's people jumping off of buildings. It was such a, it made me really look at everything differently. And you know what I mean? And then yeah. I, Ray Longo didn't even, he couldn't even, he didn't get on a plane, but he was, you know, he had young kids at the time. Right. No, I, that's I, what happened to me was they were trying to, I remember Dana was setting up a visit and he wanted us to go to New York and go to ground zero. Yeah. And I was so afraid of flying at the time. And then to have something like that happen, it was, it was the hardest thing for me to get around. I remember I was sitting, I was in the car and Tony Frickman was going to take me to the airport. And I looked up and I literally was getting in the car like, this is it. I'm on a one-way trip that I'm not coming back. I mean, that's how my mind, but yeah. that's how anxiety was working, especially wow. this time. I mean, think about those people up in that plane and what is it that you can do? And you've got those two minutes of just going through your mind of what's going to happen. You know, so that just, it weighed on me so bad. Next thing you know, I woke up in Pat's office and he's looking at me going. And so I started following him. I started breathing, breathing. I'm like, what, where am I? And it turned out I, I blacked out in the car. I was so wired up. My anxiety was so bad when I got in it and I was like in the car and Tony said, I just passed out. I passed out and he brought me over to Pat's office. I didn't tell, not too many people know about that, but I couldn't get on that plane to go to New York. I was so freaked out about yeah. just everything that was happening. I, I remember Pat's in there and I started breathing and I was going, what happened? Cause I've been knocked out before, but I was like, what happens? He's like, yeah, you, you passed out in the car. Evidently, I, I don't know how to explain it. It was crazy. It was such, it was such strange times. I want to get, we're going to get back into that. Hey, 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 little evil. We got safe Saud coming in yeah. right now. You're He's familiar with coach. coach. No? He's an intense coach. I like him. I was, well, I was looking I like his no nonsense. Yeah. Uh, the, like uh, corner work. That's what I like. Let's get safe in here. Jens, we're gonna. Have aren't, we have, aren't we having fun already? I'm already excited. Aren't we I'm, like, I'm, already? I'm gonna steal the rest of the show. It's like, but we gotta talk to other people, and I keep. Oh, we're gonna talk to. Uh, listen, we're Dude, gonna I talk. I want to hang out with you. It's so. That, cool. It's a hangout. We're gonna. And listen, don't think you. I'm letting you go without you talking. I want you to be my sensei with Twitch. All right, okay. we're gonna get back to that. We okay. got safe looking at us right now.
Dave, what's up, man? What's going on, man? Good to see you. Good to see you. You know the great Jens Pulver, yes? I do, of course. I know. Yeah, I think I know he is. How you doing, sir? How you doing, sir? How do you how do you forget a former UFC champion? Once you get that title, you're always a champion. I already told you that once, Matt. I know, but I listen. Technically, I never defended it, so I'm not a champion. Oh. Jens Pulver is yeah, a champion. Yeah. He defended that, and he did phenomenal. And what about Jens? Safe, safe. What about when Jens was the champion, but people were counting him out against BJ Penn? Do you remember that? Oh, I do remember that, of course. Jens Pulver. Tons of power. Tons of power. Little evil. Little evil. Tons of power. How you doing? I'm doing well. Hey, hey, listen, safe. Now, you got a lot going on. You got your – now, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not too happy about this. And I'm, you know, I'm a very honest guy. So. Uh, yeah, yeah. I knew, I knew first, this was coming. I'll tell you right now. <laughs> you know where this is going. I, oh, see, yeah. I find out because you know, I, I, I doesn't call me right away. I find out through the the uh, social media. I'm like, oh shit. I go. I see Uriah Hall is facing Chris Weidman, oh, which is a phenomenal man. fight and a rematch. But it depresses me, Jens. It depresses me. Save it does because I <laughs> love sorry. Uriah. I'm sorry, my man. I'm sorry. But look at it this way. Two old guys, those guys got to fight, man. Those are the older guys that got to stick together. So they're doing a rematch, right? Yeah, uh, it's a good It's a good thing. They got to get listen. They're going to get paid, they gotta, you know. But yeah. listen, as a coach, it just bothers me a little bit. The only time I was this upset is when Frank Yeager was going to fight Aljo. And I, oh, you know why? Yeah. This is why I saved. I know, it, I, and Jens, I know it's a sport. It's a sport. Yeah. But it's it's the hurt business. You know, I seen your corner work safe. We're gonna talk oh, yeah. about that. I love it. I love that direct, no bullshit. Jens, you were just saying I was I was just yeah, it was impressive. It was pretty amazing to watch him get intense and then listen to how he breaks it down and the way he talks about he handles each fighter. I thought that was probably the coolest thing that you take to get to know each one on a different level, where most coaches are kind of just a cut and paste and they coach everybody the same way. It's this style and that's it. So that was the one thing I was noticing. I like the way he does that. I like the way that he breaks that down, Matt. And he says, you know, each fighter is different. It's really cool to take the time to know that. I appreciate that very much. Now, see, when you were in there, like personally, like what I was saying, like with, 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 with the whole corner work, it's a sport, but at the end of the day, it's a fight. Let's call it what it is. You could jump on a treadmill with a fucking snorkel on. I don't care. There's, everybody's training. <laughs> they train wacky nowadays. It's awesome. I'm I used to run hills, do some sparring, and get my jujitsu in. Now they got snorkels on. They're jumping on the treadmill. I don't know what they're doing, but it's all good. I'm not hating on it, the new stuff. But at the end of the day, it's the herd business. So when you're in that corner, you're any way you could take that guy out across there. You're in that foxhole and you're between rounds. This is how you want to get him. You want to get his, you want to elbow him. You want to get his arm. You want to break it. And uh, I don't know. It just sucks a little bit in the beginning when you, when you, you know, you got a corner against someone you like, you know? No, absolutely. And you know, I, uh, Chris and me did a photo shoot way back in the day and yeah. uh, he came to Dallas. I think it was for bad boy. And I was just holding pads for him. And, you know, we spent the day together. What a good man that dude is. What a good father. <laughs> what a good man he is. You know, that's, that's what I took away from that day. And, uh, you know, we're always cordial to each other when we see each other, but yeah, man, it does suck because there's a lot of assholes out there too, that we wouldn't mind fighting. Right. So sometimes you got to fight the nice guys and it is what it is. It's always better. It's always better when you got a guy you don't like for the fighter, yeah. for the camp. hundred percent. hundred percent. Easy motivation. It's easy motivation. 
Jen, do you agree with that too? You fight somebody. Well, you have to do that. It needs, it helps you because it's such a hard time, right? It's a rigorous three months, four months. And to have that inner burn, that inner fire, you know, that's the one thing that it just makes it easier. You know, it's like, yeah, I don't have sure. to get you fired up. Right. And that's, so it's definitely gotta be something that you help. It's like almost gotta wrangle it in and be like, Hey, I've got to, let's try to yep. slow you down a little bit, but yes, sir, to have that kind of deal, you know, I mean, it looks, I'm pretty excited for the fight. I, it's one of those, as I seen it happen, it's like, all right, I like I, I like this. And even though when you're friends, but it's again, you know, it's one of those things like you said, it's obviously rather beat someone up that we don't know. But when y'all become the best in the world, sometimes it happens. Shame on y'all yeah. for being so dang good at the time, <laughs> dang it. Hey, hey, safe. This is what I think now. And uh, you know, I, I love Dana to death, but I think he was a little hard on Uriah in the last fight. I think that oh, yeah. I, I, this is my personal opinion, and Dan is a buddy of mine, and, and everybody has their own opinion. But, you know, he, he finished, he finished a legend. He finished um, Anderson Silva. And Anderson Silva, I listen, 46, I don't care if he's 56. How many people did you see him sleep? How many times you've seen him like he's in the Matrix? That, it, might, yeah. it might slow down a little bit. He's one of the greatest counterpunchers ever making you miss and coming back and putting you to sleep. He's a dangerous man. Okay. Now, some people might say Uriah didn't go harder out of respect. Some people might say he had to take his time. I feel in there with a guy like that, there might be the respect, but this survival mode too, you got to talk. He finished him. So what is I don't know. What is your take on the whole thing? On the whole performance? Well, a, co the a couple of things. Yeah, yeah. A couple of things. First of all, you know, we can talk about strategy now that the fight is over, but, you know, you watch, uh, you know, 18 of this guy's, you know, knockouts. And I mean, front kick, you know, uh, straight left hand, hook, step back, left hand. I mean, you know, you get crazy with him and you come in on him crazy. He's going to sleep you. He's going to catch you. And, you know, Israel Adesanya went with him to decision. Michael Bisping, who's an unbelievable fighter, went to him with decision. You know, I think Bron tons of tough, tough guys. So, He's very, he's not easy to finish. You know, he, he can take a shot, to be honest. I mean, he can take a punch, you know, and then he'll start doing the head thing, but he'll eat a couple of them first, you know? And, and also he, he, he came out very strong, very quick. He looked very, very good against Uriah. He was moving. I think it's the best he's looked in some time. So we didn't want to, you know, jump into anything. I told you, Uriah, look, man, you got to finish this guy. That's going to be the accomplishment. Beating him will not be, but finishing him will. He did that. I thought he did a great job. I talked to Dana after. I, I think, you know, uh, I love Dana too. He's been great to us. I mean, he really has, especially this year. But I think it was a combination of his personal feelings towards watching Anderson lose and just seeing how that whole thing went down. I just think he was just unhappy. And I think he took a little bit of that out on Uriah possibly. But, you know, I just think he doesn't want to see Anderson fight anymore. And, and I get it, you know, and uh, they have a lot of history together. So. We didn't take it personally, man. We, yeah. you know, we got the job done and we move on and, and um, we came there to, to do a job and we did the job. So. Yeah. I mean, and it's, listen, no, it wasn't just Dana. I remember Dana was obviously the most, the, the vocal about it. And, but there was, you know, there was just people talking, you know, Oh yeah. Too much respect or this and that. I was always, and it's not just because some buddies with you, right? I'm like, man, he got the job done. He did. And they're like, Oh, you know, he, he wasn't pulling the trigger. You know who pulled the trigger? Forrest Griffin. I know it was a yeah. decade ago, but fuck, man, I was there for that. And that yep. was literally watching Kanoa. How do you say his name? Kanoa Reeves. Can I? Can I, can I read? Yeah. Can I read? Yeah. yeah. I know. 
Yeah, I mean, John, the, John, just John, John bullets, Wick, the John Wick. You know what I mean? He sees, he sees it, Anderson Silva. Anyway, listen, uh, safe for the people that don't know, I know you run Fortis MMA out of, uh, what is it, Dallas, right? Correct. Yes. That got started uh, a few years ago, correct? 2017? 2017, correct. How long have you been coaching for before that? I've been, I, I, I fought from 06 to uh, about 09, and then I started coaching. I, got, I tore my bicep twice. You know all about that. You've got that same injury. That's my I good tore, yeah, that's a good one. I got I got one good one, one bad one. Yeah, Sucks, and then uh, tore my ACL. Just had a bunch of injuries, so I, I, you know, I retired a little early. Started coaching in two thousand and nine, actually, and then opened my own gym in two thousand and seventeen. So it's been it's been a little while. Two thousand and nine. Two thousand and nine. Yeah, out of my head. Oh yeah, I knocked out Trigon that year. Oh, that year. But anyway, that's not to do with anything. <laughs> Nothing to do with anything, little weevil. I just like to, you know. <laughs> Yeah, the guys that... he, he won't. He won't talk about GSP, but he'll talk about the trig one. Exactly. Yeah, Notice that. GSP is a, a great guy. The only fight I bring guy. up is the second fight where he beat me up. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, well you're, with the with the four to seven May, I, I, it's, it's, it doesn't look like it's a, a small operation there. I, I was reading that you yeah. have a um, an NBA guy. Uh, I'm sorry, I don't want to say it. what the hell's his name. You have an Dan NBA Williams? player that's invested in the uh, yeah, yeah. Duran well, Williams. What happened was, Matt, I built the gym and uh, I got it done and I was taking people over there like one at a time, like, hey, let me show you something. And then we drive over there and like, oh, man, wow, this is awesome. Even the guys didn't know I was building the gym that were in the program for a long time because I just didn't want to talk about it until it was done. Big school? You know? Yeah, yeah. It's about 7,000 square feet. But I bought the building and then we renovated it over about a year and a half time. So we really customized it. So it's it's a really unique space. Um, anyway, so I took, I was training Darren Williams at the time and I took him over there right when the gym was about done. And he goes, man, you got to let me in on this. I want to be part of this. And, and I said, I don't really need any partners. Uh, but he, we went back and forth for a while. So he's actually a 10% partner um, in the gym, but the gym was, was built and almost done. And it's something that, you know, took a lot of years, you know, from 09 to 17, I was working and saving and, and shut my mouth and grinding and had that vision. And, and, you know, it took time to find the building. It took time to get, you know, everything together. So, uh, yeah, we're very proud of the gym. And we started with nobody in the UFC. And now we have 18 fighters in the UFC in 2020. So, Is it a fighters-only gym or is it a... No, no. You, you know that. No money there. Fighters-only. That's suicide. You already know that. A hundred. No, no. The people no. listening, I want them to know. Four to no, seven days. You don't no. have to want to be the next champion. That's cool if you do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Average people, they want to just get a work. Well, well, what we tried to do is I wanted to create a super high-level environment, uh, but also a world-class MMA environment. And I think we have that. You know, we've we've got a cap on members, and um, we've got lawyers and, and dentists, and you know that, doctors. We've got all different types, and, and you know that from having a BJJ school. I mean, people who are elite like to be challenged, and they yeah. really love – they love jujitsu too. Jujitsu yes. is huge at, at our gym. And we've got tons of people that are, you know, executives, but also everybody who trains at our gym pays. So uh, Jeff Neal, uh, Uriah, all these guys, they all pay monthly because, you know, nothing in life is free. And, and I, I don't like that, that mindset, you know, well, I'm a fighter. I'm just said, don't give a shit what you do. Like, you know, we're providing a service. It costs money. You pay and, and people appreciate things more, I think, when they pay. Um, and that's always been the policy. Hundred percent. There was a time where, yeah. and not listen. I have, I mean, I have like a fifty black belts. I've been around for a while teaching, and there's times like with this COVID thing or something where it's like, all right, look, guys, I might have let guys 
when things are great, I might let some guys that have been with me for a while. And then I'm like, yo, I got to pay every month, man. I'm paying yeah. every month to keep this thing yeah. afloat. I might yeah. hang out with Dana, but I ain't Dana. I can't afford 10 grand a month when I'm not going Nothing coming in. Yeah. You hear what I'm saying? I do. I, I, was I do. Your, I was seeing your background when I heard when I was thinking of this shit. I'm like, guys, you're getting offended. I'm paying every fucking month. Yeah. I, I, but, but I think I think I think it's important. No, you can ran away because I think it's an important fact. You know, that whole mindset of entitlement. You know, well, I fight in UFC. Well, I'm getting exposure. Man, no one gives a shit about you. There's only like six people. That you know, if you go out in the street and you know and you say any of our names, most people aren't gonna know who the hell we are. And that's just the damn truth. So I don't like it when people lie. You know, let's not lie to each other. We know where we're at, and it is true. Fighting, you know, it can be a career, but really it is an opportunity, as as our Ryan Dana says. And you just gotta make the most of that opportunity. And and I try to provide these guys a platform to do that. You know, I love all my guys to death and uh, I wanna see them succeed in life. Uh, with their money and you know those are things that we talk about but them having that you know financial responsibility at the gym is just step one you know no matter what shit man i'm with you with that i mean i <clears throat> i could relate you know what i mean it's Absolutely. not easy. and they always look at you because even they see you on there in the corner they're like oh, i'm sure he's doing fine i'm sure hey yeah. dude really <laughs> it just gets yeah crazy. you're right you're right. No, I mean, and you don't walk in any other business and think you're going to get anything for free. So I don't think you're going to come into the gym and get anything for free. Now, being that you were a fighter, now you're obviously an excellent trainer. You feel this was more your calling? I always wanted to coach. Uh, my dad, you know, was my sensei growing up and my brother was a professor. Uh, I just think it's kind of in our family, you know, and, and for me, I think when you're a fighter and I don't know if, you know, both of you can attest to this you kind of got to keep yourself in a real primitive state. You know, you've got to kind of be ready to do battle all the time. And, and doing that, you're not always the best person you can be. You're sometimes a little bit selfish. You're sometimes a little bit unbalanced. And I think, you know, as a coach, being able to just give and really push and want to see people succeed, I feel like I'm more useful um, in that sense. And I'm fulfilling a purpose more uh, because I'm affecting more people. So at 40 now, I turned 40. Uh, Happy birthday. Yeah, thank you, sir. I think, you know, I just can't imagine being that selfish as I was at, you know, 25. Like, I just, I, I don't know. And and so I think when you see a lot of these older guys, they get in there and they, they look a little gun shy, but the reality is they've just grown as men. They've grown as people, you know, and fighting, I think, is in some ways a young man's game. Even if you have the knowledge, you just don't have the same hunger to want to punch somebody right in the fucking face. And you know what I'm talking about. When you're young, you just want to hit people in the face. I mean, and, and that that goes away. That's a real thing. Jez, what do you think of that? I'm it, it, okay. It's almost like you know how certain times you sit down and this clarity. I'm listening to you, and it's literally blowing my mind because I was, I'm that's you have answered so many questions in my head. I've got goosebumps. I've got chills. Cause as I said, you know, when you had to retire and that was one thing. And I tell everybody, you know, nowadays I'm, I'm back, I'm streaming a little bit. I'm talking to people and being able to walk away from the sport. And I had that situation, the losing streak that I went on. I was like, you know, it's trying to learn how to be a normal person. My son was, you know, my family yeah. and it not being able to turn it off and to listen to you as like, how would you, the intensity, but wanted to become a coach. I mean, I'm just mind blown. Listen to you right now. 
it's like you have it figured out. It doesn't ask you, do you find that being that coach helps you get over the fact that, you know, you're retired as sure. a fighter, you're not going to be doing it. And it's, I, I'm hearing you the way that you have this transitioned over. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, man, I, one day I'm going to be like you in that aspect, or I'm hoping because I still don't, I don't want to be, you see some people, do you, are you that person? So do you hold on to that? If I could do this, I could do that. It seems like you let it go and oh, you're yeah. ready to not be so greedy and pass on that knowledge and find that exactly. self-balance. I think that, you know, you nailed it. And I think everybody that fights, you know, obviously goes through this. You see Anderson struggling with it now. And I mean, after all he's accomplished, I mean, you know, if he walked away, who would say a word, right? But it's just something inside you. But I think, you know, the about the first two years after I stopped, I had a really hard time because I would still watch UFC and see my old training partners in there, you know, be like, man, you know, I, I, you know, I know I could do it. And I was still young and I felt, you know, I felt good, but man, Jen, I kept getting hurt. Even whenever I'd start training again, I'd get hurt again. And I told myself, you know, I made the right decision because man, I'm lucky that I started coaching at that time and allowed me to build myself up now and still be relatively young, and, you know, being this in the level that I'm at. Whereas if I would have held on maybe for a few more years and just kept, you know, getting injured and, 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 and getting desperate and, you know, fighting for money and being put myself in a bad situation, you see how that story ends many a time. Right. And, uh, I, you know, I'm thankful that I, that I stuck it out saying retired. I mean, there's many times where, you know, I wouldn't mind getting back in there, but now that probably the last two or three years with so many fighters, man, I, I would never fight again. I mean, it's not even on my radar screen. You couldn't, you know, I had some fucking guy pull up next to me and start yelling at me the other day. And I just looked at him and started laughing. And I thought to myself, I've grown, <laughs> I've grown because I'm sitting in my truck looking at this dude and I'm like, man, even a few years ago, I would have jumped out and fucking pulled him out and started beating him like a baby seal. I know that, you know, I mean, it's inside us. That's who we are, you know? So I, I've, I've grown and I've changed. And I think again, it's just appropriate for, for the age. You know, I feel like, I feel like as you age, that's just a transition that you've got to make and, and you can make it hard or you can make it easy. Yeah. I mean, when you really become an old fighter, like if it's an old fighter, it's like an old stripper. Nobody wants to see that shit. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Jens. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. an old stripper might be more funny. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, I think so. I think there's some, oh, there's some strippers. Yeah, that's, that's true. Um, man. <laughs> not the segue, but do you have kids or no, Sage? Yeah, I do. I've got two girls. I'm like you. I'm, I'm a girl dad. Jens, you got girls too, right? Is that right? Yes, yes. I have two and a son, yes. Yeah, all, all fighters, all fi all fighters and wrestlers have girls, right? I mean, that's just the way it goes. And not for everybody, but I think a lot of guys, like when they do have kids, like when we're talking about moving on, it's hard. One thing I think is hard is that you become, if you're doing it for definitely, if you do it for over a decade, it becomes such a routine. It becomes all right, even when all right now I'm done, and then after a two to three months, you're like, all right, I should be talking to Joe Silver, right? I should be, I'm usually setting something up now. And when that does, when that's not there, it, it's weird. It's like, yeah, it's it's a different. You're you're so used to that routine. You've been doing it for a decade or more. Yep. And it's like I, I'm missing something out of my life. But on the flip side, I remember, like, getting somebody was calling me out or mentioning my name, and normally I would take it very personal. And I was literally walking out to go for a walk to my kid and my wife. She was young at the time, to uh, the park. And I remember not caring about it. Like, ah, at all. Yeah. Park Who cares? Kid. And then I go, that's yeah. not a good thing. That's when I knew that wasn't a good thing. I was becoming less of a caveman. I was not, yep. 
I should have been go. like that. Should have been Saif. Saif. It should have been. It should have been my number one thing. Yeah. Like, how dare you mention my name? Yeah. But I got. I'm not saying I got softer, but I got a little like ah, I'm taking my kids. But, but but look at it this way. That's the progression, and the vision that we all have when we're young. I mean, only a fucking moron's like, oh, I want to fight when I'm in my 40s. I mean, in my mind, honestly, and I mean nothing against the guys that are doing it. I know they're making big money. Yeah. But don't tell me when you're 17 years old hitting the bag, you're like, man, when I'm 42, I'm going to be rocking and rolling. Like, that's just not really the vision, right? So I think yeah. it just it comes down to having the discipline to walk away when, you know, when it's time to walk away. And, and that's not easy. And, you know, I mean, certain people accomplish all the things they want. You know, certain people don't. I, I really – I just wanted to go to the UFC, fight one fight, and then I was planning on retiring. I mean, I never, I never really wanted to yeah. fight, you know, for 10 or 15 years because – it's hard on your body and, and, you know, it's a grind. So I don't know, but I always tell you like both you guys won the belt. So both of you should go to sleep with a big fucking smile on your face every night. Cause no matter what, that's the highest of the high and you did it. And don't tell me I didn't defend it or none of the shit. It's so hard. Our sport is the hardest thing in the world. And I think people are starting to see that it takes so much mental and physical and emotional uh, strength time. Uh, it, it's, it's something that I've seen the toughest guys, come in and try to do and, and they can't do it so um you know I, I feel blessed to have been able to do it and still be a part of it. and i used now both i'll ask both you guys personally and you know everybody's different like i don't watch i really i never grew up on any sports i don't watch anything but as even though i'm involved with the ufc like i i get excited when it's saturday night i get when there's the yeah, and there's yeah. been fights on there like i'm like all right i'm gonna go to my school in the morning i'm gonna train yep I'm going to yep. get back. I make sure I get a nap in. So I'm bright eyed, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I get all excited. I get excited yeah. as when I, before I was in the UFC. So I love it. You guys, some guys who are fighters or trainers, they don't even, they don't like it. I'm not hating on them, but they don't watch it as much. Are you guys still fans of the fight game or as much, or are you kind of just keep it business? I mean, I, I watch every single card and, yeah. and, and, and I watch every fight because two things. Number one is, that's my job, right? Like I need to see what's going on and I need to see the level. I mean, man, every single fucking week, the UFC is going like this, boom, 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 boom. The level, you see that first fight, that Kosi kid and that, uh, I don't know what the other kid's name was. He had a Russian name. It was the oh, first yeah. fight. Oh yeah. Dude, I dude. mean, yeah. And, it, and I mean, those dudes that Kosi yeah. gassed out after the first round, but he never quit. I mean, he was slinging them and those guys just went at it. I'm thinking, man, this is the first fight of the night. This level of toughness, is a veteran level, but these guys aren't vets. They had like five or six fights. So the evolution of the game, right? And afterwards, the kid looks to the camera and he says, he said, I want this so bad. I want it so bad. And I thought that pers personifies where we're at, you know, like, man, there's some hungry guys out there. And now we're, we're reaching from a wider pool, you know, since MMA is, is obviously on ESPN now and has a lot more viewership and, you, you know, it's going to be more and more talent and, and, and better athletes. And I mean, it really is a high level now. And the techniques, they, they, they get more advanced. I don't know. Like, in other words, when me and Jens were fighting, it wasn't these little calf kicks. Yeah, <laughs> the calf kicks. Calf kicks, oh, calf right? kick, man. If we well, you, that, you, if we you, that you, were, back in the day, it was an accident. <laughs> but you, you remember, like, you'd be like, oh, you're fighting this guy. He got no ground. Take him down. Like, you remember that? Like, back then, there were those guys, right? We're like, hey, this guy, he's, he's, you know, he's going to try to dive at your feet. Just stay up, stay up. You don't, you're not going to get a fight like that anymore in the UFC. And if, if you got a guy trying to take you down, he's one of the best in the world, like a Damian Maya. So, I mean, besides that, there's no, and he's even got good hands in wrestling now. Yeah. So 
there are no easy fights where you can, you know, try to dictate into one place or the other. You got to be good everywhere. And I think we've seen a real progression. You know, I fought last time in 08, you know, and I think that, you know, in that 10 to 12 year period, especially this last two years, I mean, it's just blowing up. Yeah. And I think having a coach like you with that kind of knowledge, like I said, coach, I'm blown away listening to you. I'm loving you. it, you know, but that's because I think what it really boils down to now, like you're saying, is everybody's becoming so well-rounded. I still remember yeah. back in the day, I was thinking, you know, like, like I said, Matt and I were fighting and stuff like that is there's a sixth grader, there's a fourth grader or a second grader that's watching this that can now say, I want to get into MMA and they're starting yeah. to do jujitsu classes, karate classes, wrestling whatever it is and they're building with us i still remember everybody had a full-time job and was doing this as yeah. a hobby and i'm getting out of college going okay well i'm ready to train all day because i wrestled all day now i want to fight all day well we got to wait till everybody gets off work because it was still a hobby right yeah. so it really yeah. does boil down to I, I having a coach like you or somebody that i think that really is the difference i know like I, i've known you've had you've definitely had multiple fighters on one card you have to do a lot of juggling but but it really does boil down to you because it all comes down to game plan and giving those kids the confidence to go out there and perform at a certain level. And that's why listening to you, yeah, man, it's like, I'm really, I, I'm digging it. I'm, I'm loving the way you're speaking. I love it. Well, hey, I appreciate it. That, that's high praise coming from you. It really Do you is. like having more than one uh, fighter on a card or, or is it? A I more mean, you, you know this because I'm, I'm sure you have as well. You know, I mean, you've got some tough kids up there. You know, that, that Mirab kid, that kid is a beast. Rob? I mean, God, that Robert. kid. I mean, what, a, what a gas tank on this guy, man. I mean. I've and, never uh, seen you, anything like that. You, you know, you have, you have a great team. You know, I see him and Al and Aljo, yes. those guys. They support, they support that guy so much. Uh -huh. And they give him so much love fight week. I watched it. I think I was in Albuquerque. I think Macy yeah. Shasan was fighting. And I was watching, you know, Al, Al's a star, man. I mean, he's done a lot. And, and Aljo obviously is a front runner for the belt. I mean, oh, he looked nice. fantastic against Corey Sanhagen. That was unbelievable. And watching those guys and how they were, how they were really just so there for him impressed me. And that's yeah. what I was going to segue into is it's when you have multiple people on a card, everybody's hyped up for the day, right? Like they kind of push each other in camp and everybody's like, yes. you know, they're kind of going to a party together, right? They're kind of going to a party together yes. and that can be really good. That can be really good. We've won multiple times. have had, you know, multiple win nights in the UFC. I mean, it's amazing. We've also lost multiple fights before. Yeah. Uh, and, and I mean, that can be heartbreaking too, but I think you've got to step back and say, man, how lucky am I? There's 500 or 600 people in the UFC. And I've got not just one fighter on, but I've got three or whatever. So you, yeah. you just got to, you got to be grateful, man. And, and you've got to prepare them and you've got to hope that they can execute. And ultimately, you know, once they go in there, it, it's up to them. No, yeah, no, I, I, I definitely relate. I relate. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And, and you, you get like a personal relationship with your fighters. Like I, I see that. I, I, cause I relate to that. Cause I, because, you know, me along, myself and Longo have that as well, you know, it's more than just business, you know? It, I mean, it's, it's, I, I look at it as I want to see these kids succeed, you know, in life. And this is that segue that they need to make this enough where they become so famous yeah. that they can be like a Khabib, which is going to be very, very, very rare. Yes. Or they can do what we've done. They can open a gym and do what they love all day. I mean, you, you said it earlier. I wake up, I go to the gym, you train, you roll. I've, we've been doing it. I've been doing this since I was three years old. 
I go, I work out, I got my schedule, and then I come home, I take a nap, right? Yeah. So I'm ready for the UFC that night. I lay there, right, in the living yes. room and watch that thing. So we're doing what we love. And even though we don't fight anymore, we're fulfilled. We're happy. We're, we're still talking about fighting right now. We're still, it's still what we do. It's a part of our lives. Yes. And I would just, I would love to see, you know, I think Uriah would be an awesome kids coach. I could see Uriah having a fantastic kids program. Oh. Um, you know, he could, uh, straight up, he could do a karate, he could do anything. He could, he could, exactly. And so, you know, these are the things we talk about. I don't just say, hey, you know, go win your fight. I say, hey, man, you know, you're behind. Like, you need to make some money so you can build a base and get set up and get some real estate and, and, and keep going because fighting's not going to last forever. So, man, I, I'll just be, I will be happy. Uh, my definition of success is for them to be able to do what they want to do when they want to do it. And, um, you know, and if that, and, and hopefully has something to do with martial arts. So it's true. It's such a, it's such a, like a cliche or it's such a, it's an overused saying, but I say it a lot. I say it a lot to my kids is what, you know, if you do what you love for a living, it's like, you never have Absolutely. to live your life. And it's not that 100%. you don't work hard. I'll still get up. I do the 7am class two days a week. And I, I love it. I don't, and I'm not an early riser. I know, I'm not, you know why? I'm not I'm not trying to one up you, but I do the six a.m. class. You son of a gun! Every <laughs> single day. Let me I was guess. There this morning. Let me guess. Jens does the five thirty a.m. No, Jens yeah. is going to bed, and he's he's probably going to bed at five thirty a.m. And then I'll catch you all about three o'clock in the afternoon. I'm a night owl, so it's, yeah, if but you have the night training, I got you. But what's so funny about that is is that you nailed it, right? You said I'm not an early riser. I fucking hate getting up early. Like I, I just not one of those guys. I mean, I just don't wake up happy. You know, there's a lot of people that way. I'm not one of them. Especially but like once I, yeah, but once I get to the gym and this is how you really know you're blessed. The minute I step in the gym, I'm happy. Yeah. I've never, I've never walked in the gym. I'm, I'm driving there. I'm pissed off. I'm irritated. Right. But the minute I walk in the gym, I'm in a good mood because I, you know, I'm, it's like being at home. So Man, I mean, we're we're lucky, man. We're lucky. We're blessed, and we put the work in too. You know, I mean, it's not like it happened on accident. Yeah, but you got to walk into your school the way I walk into mine, and sometimes I'll just look around a little bit. And my first school, I saved up with a, a couple more UFC fights and private lesson money and seminar money and super fight money, whatever it is. And I lived in the basement of it. It was really small, like fifteen hundred square foot. Now I got a beautiful, beautiful school. Lost one due to COVID, which is all good, but. And I look around and I'm like, yo, man, if I had nothing else, this is just, this is a great retirement. If I, I look at it as retirement. I don't look at that's it as, it. you know. No, that's it. And thing. I mean, and yeah. the thing about you is being a high level black belt, you've also got that jujitsu track, you know, whereas in, you said you got 50 black belts. That's a really cool thing too. Yeah. You know, uh, I, I mean, to have, to have that whole community and so, and to have all those, because that's its own separate community, right? You got your MMA guys, you got your team, but yeah. you got your JITS guys. We've got guys competing and winning every weekend. And like, I'll write those guys checks when they win like a, a small tournament, I'll give them 50 bucks and put sponsorship on it. So they feel like, you know, so they feel like, Hey yeah. man, like, you know, because they're winning for the school. So anytime you're winning you know, for the school. The atmosphere at the school is so, and I'm sure you'll agree with this is the atmosphere is as important. You could have five UFC fighters, you could, but if there's a bunch of knuckleheads, guys getting hurt, everybody's walking around with their shirt off. I don't know how it is. I'm not. Yeah, no, yeah, no shirt off. No shirt off. <laughs> you yeah. have that too? I have that in yeah, my No shirt off. I'm not no having shirt that off. shit. I'm no, not walking neither. around like Rocky Three when there's a bunch yeah. of, if you have a fighter's gym, you better, I mean, I don't know. You better be damn with somebody. You better have some kind of bankroll. Yeah, Even though I'm sure yeah. Eric Popkin's got other things. But with my thing, I'll tell you, before I let you go, see, uh, 
it was it was right before I opened up my, my school I was just talking about in Huntington, New York. Uh, it was it's just it's twelve thousand square feet. It's huge, beautiful, and I, it was when I was I back when I was the champion, and I'm like. I had I had Christmas cards made up and it was it was gonna be and it was a great like a good turnpike. I was gonna have it Sarah MMA. That's what I was gonna do. Made Christmas cards up last second, scratch it, I went back to Sarah BJJ. I thought the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu crowd, for the reasons we're talking about, yeah. we're not gonna have every single guy who wants to come in being a champion. I'm a spoiled guy. I got all my average people that I get to teach jujitsu, Muay Thai, I got all this stuff there. But I still get to work with the guys who want to be champions with Longo. Yes. We have a fight team. Oh, hey, I wish you were here. I'd give you a high five right now, see. Hey, well, I'm I'm always happy to come on and chat with you. And you hey. know, it sucks. I haven't haven't we haven't we used to get to see each other more with but all this weird ass shit going on. You know, it's just not it's just not the same. But I think we're gonna be in Vegas for a while here doing this, no matter what happens over the next year. So I guess we just gotta get used to it, you know. Well, listen, uh, last question. I don't usually ask this. What's the game plan with Uriah Hall versus Weidman? Oh, I thought you were going to ask me about Jeff and Wonderboy. I was like, oh, oh, oh shit, that. I should have asked that. But I'm not, <laughs> I'm not talking about that. No, you don't know. Uh, I, mean, I mean, what's the game plan? I I'm think fucking you know around, well, dude. I'm I think you know as well as I do. <laughs> if, uh, we, don't, we, don't, we don't want Weidman on top of us. I mean, listen. that's a big-ass big dude. I mean, he's a really big guy. Not only is he big, but he's very skilled. And um, – his wrestling and his jiu-jitsu are top-notch. I mean, he he's a top-notch guy, man, and and uh, we're going to have to be ready. I would never give you advice, but tell you, Ryan, listen, there's nothing wrong with pulling guard in an MMA fight. Yeah, right. <laughs> listen, <laughs> hey, man, thanks for hanging out with us. I want you to come on soon. We'll, we'll talk more talk more fights and everything else. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. Jens, it was a pleasure talking to you as well. Coach, it was amazing talking to you, man. I wish you all the best of success. I, like I said, I sat back and I just listening and listening to both of you. I just, I love your outlook. I love the way it is. And it's literally given someone like me, I just, for what it's worth, someone like me who is ready to one day, I'm like getting close and close to start taking that step to becoming a coach. Cause like yeah. what Sarah, what Matt said, which is that's my retirement. I try to tell people this all the time. That is my retirement. I'll do that till the, till the, damn in the dirt absolutely right and that's why listening to you man i wish you all the best i i I am a fan and if i wasn't a fan before i'm a huge fan right now because what you were saying like literally man it resonates in here and it it means a lot to hear from you so good luck coach it was amazing talking with you all right take care guys take care brother the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards the longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards why bring this up because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70 yard field goal it probably won't go well so set a limit when you gamble and stick to it want more helpful tips like this go to keepitfunohio.com for games quizzes and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand do you want a beautiful lawn Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Jens, how much fun was that? That was a, 
that was unreal. I had to sit back and fan and listen to you too because it's so cool to listen to you guys get that figured out. You know, what I mean, because I'm kind of in that transition a little bit. With hey, I walked away from the paid. sport and said, "F this, I'm done." You know what I mean? It hurt, so I walked away from the sport. But then to come back, like I know now, that's kind of again being on this stream yeah. has helped me a lot because I'm starting to break fights down and now I'm watching fights and now I'm excited every weekend for the fights. Yeah. And for a while, you could it was like punishment. They can be do it, you know. Is that on your you? Well, tell me where people can watch that. We're gonna plug it again at the end, but oh, but it's just twitch.tv slash chance pulver. Say it again. I was talking twitch.tv slash chance pulver. So I'm just on Twitch breaking down fights. It's my thing. I love not it. only that, you my friend, I am a fellow gamer. Do you know that about me, Chance I do Pulver? Know that about you, you, you don't like watching me game. The street, the, the streamer crew, the screen, the streamer world, the Twitch world don't like us as as gamers, as much as they would. What do you mean? As, you know, it's like when I start talking fights and I do what's my what's my wheelhouse, right? It's like now, I guess I'm typecasting. I'm a coach or I'm an MMA fighter, a former world champion. I try to play video games and maybe, you know, yeah. I'll maybe get a, a 60, 70 people watching, which is great to me. I mean, that's amazing. But when I'm doing the fights and breaking them down, 200, 300 people. And then when we're doing, because now I'm also doing twitch.tv slash UFC. So I do, I now do the UFC Twitch as well. And we get to go through and do the UFC fight pass and just get to smash old school fights. And so it's yeah. really cool to reminisce and be able to relive it all through Twitch. So it's not just gaming, but I'm like you. Yes, I'm a big gamer. I'm a Grand Marshal rogue in the world of Warcraft. You know me. I remember I was grinding Grand Marshal when Matt Hughes was fighting Hoist Gracie and I said, is, no can do. I didn't show up to Grand the fight. Marshall. Wait, the, sim I, the simple people like myself. <laughs> what is, that's World of Warcraft? So World of Warcraft. I saw you playing a pirate game, which looks cool. See a thieves. games that you play? Well, Sea of Thieves is one of them. I like that's the pirate game. I well, love. What is that about Sea of Thieves? That's you're just sailing around and you're just you're, you're just grabbing chests. You're just taking over people's boats. Like you can go out there and just be a pirate and steal everybody's quote unquote booty, or you can take quests and go chase and get all the chests that way. But I'm going out there. I'm a pirate, so I'm gonna go out there I'm and steal your I'm stuff. A, I'm a booty man. I'm a, I'm going after the booty. I'm taking your booty, and that's what I'm after. Every stream is I'm going after your booty. You know what I mean? So it's, so that's what you're going. So you're going, you just, it's like, uh, did you ever see the show Black Sales? Yep. No, 100%. How great was that show? Yeah, I love it. I love oh, that. Man. And now I've got, then you got Sea of Thieves, and that's my inner pirate. I'm running around there on a two-man boat, you know what I mean? The little sleuth, me and my snoopy, my, my moderator, you know what I mean? My, he's my best friend, and you know, and we're gaming out there, and that's just what we do is we don't, we start with nothing. We'll go get a couple of cannonballs, and our job is we're sneaking on people's boats, and we're sinking them and taking all the stuff. <laughs> How, is the, how do you sneak? Like you see a boat in the distance, they don't see you. How does this well, work? Well, they, they do. You got to get stealthy. Like, you know, you got to get stealthy. Fire yourself out with a cannon, get into the water, start swimming, make sure the mermaid don't pop up because that lets you know that there's a dead person in the water. You know what I mean? And you're away from your boat and it's like a respawn. So this mermaid will pop up. You're too far away from your boat and you can hit it and it takes you back to your boat. Complicated. So it is. It's it's not that complicated, but it's a lot of fun. There's stealthy moves. We've hid. I have hidden in people's cannons. I have hidden it up fun. on the top. Oh, it's amazing. You know what? They, <laughs> it's amazing. Look how excited I get when we start talking about great, like children again. Trust I love it. I'm a, I'm a bigger kid. Trust me. I have. This is what I just got. And I love this thing. 
It's the Oculus Quest 2. I was just going to say, I know your VR and I know your headset. That's it's all I do. That's yeah. all I do, Jens Bova. Is okay. before that, I was I had the Vive Pro and I was doing standout battle royale. I was actually ranked number four in the world, not the brand. This guy. I hope we don't this lose guy. a. Listen, I hope we don't lose all our audience. <laughs> Yeah, I love it. I love it. This is beautiful. I love it. you. Got to have you. Got to talk about the entertainment center. Well, now think about it with that VR headset. Which one do you use now? I have the Oculus Quest Two. You can get okay. this over at Best Buy. Bring it right out of the. Break it out of the thing. You can play it. The game I've been playing. You know, my wife, the kids, they do the Beat Saber thing. Yeah. I love Population One Battle Royale. Holy shit, gents! It's a three-man it. squad. Six six squads. You you you're getting dropped off at different spots. The the perimeter closes in. You got to take out the other squads. You're almost like in a jetpack where you could fly from places, build things, climb anything you want. Sniper people. Oh, I'm I gotta see it. I gotta see it. I'm in. I'm down with it. Because think about it like this: on the one end, with now with COVID the way it is, you're talking about training and stuff like that. Here's something I always wanted to do with that headset: be an online coach. And you put on the headset, stand in front of your bag. I'm holding, I'm holding focus mitts. I'm, I'm on the other side. You I'm know what I'm saying? I want to work by. I want to work like you work and get paid to play video games. Yeah, but doing the boxing and stuff. I'm saying it'd be something. There's something to do with this VR headset where you can be an online coach and everybody can just log in with their headset and you're over there holding pads for them. You know what I mean? And playing <laughs> in game or moving around and boxing with them. And think about it like that. We start having fights again, but we just got to do it with the VR headset. Well, so I work out with none of the physical side. Fight till we're 70. I could see that happening. I mean, I, I there's, there's a game thrill of the fight where you're, you're boxing. Dude, I'm telling you right now. I was breathing heavy. Yeah, well, me and militants boxed each there. other. My wife sounded like uh, Caitlin Chuhagan. She was uh, <laughs> fighter. Oh, 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 choo, choo, choo. She's on that thing. I'm like, holy shit. Yeah. Jens, again, I'm a white belt with this thing. You're gonna, you're gonna walk me through it. <laughs> I have everything you need. I've got a snoop pie. I've got a snoop pie just for you. Anything you want when it comes to Twitch, I got you. I don't See these? You want flames? I got you. A, a Snoop Hog? That's his, yeah, that's his gamer tag. So it's Sean. He's he's my partner. He's my moderator. And he's what helped. He set all this up for me. He's like, he's the brains. He's the mechanic behind the machine. My job is just to drive this race car. Can he's I the mechanic. Somebody, can't somebody be my fucking mechanic? I got, I got you a Snoop Pie. That's what I'm saying. You can have a Snoop Pie. You know how I know you're a good guy, Jens Pulver? I just I'm gave you nuts. my best inner secret ever nah. and just handed him to you. Like, here you go. Yeah, this my there's, certain, there's certain things <laughs> that you remember. And you don't, you don't remember a guy when he's, uh, uh, you, you remember a guy when he's got everything. That, that's when you remember a guy. Cause that's how you, you don't see a guy. And this is not relating to you. I'm in life. You don't relate to, a, you don't, you, you don't judge somebody when he's got nothing. Judge him when he's got everything. Judge him at his highest point in his life. How does he treat people? 100%. You were champion, Jens Pulver. And I remember my first fight at 155. Because I know you referred to me as a 170 er I was a tweener. I was, You're I was a tweener. I, I, I fought a, few, a bunch of times at 155. I was in that tournament. I fought BJ Penn also. I've, you know, Dean Thomas. We fought some of the same guys, you know? Yeah, I was hoping I never fought you, to be honest. Because I didn't want to mess with you on the ground. I'm not lying. I, I, was like, hey, I'm not, I don't want the ground. Jens, hey, you say that, you know, who was great at the ground? Is yeah. Dennis, Dennis Holman. I know. You know. Who else was great at the ground? Joe, beat, Joe Lewis. John Lewis. John so Lewis is good. I know. Hey, man. I, we both were on each other's radar, I'm sure. You but know. I remember I remember after my fight with Kelly Delante, my third fight in the UFC, first at 155. 
I believe you were commentating that night. I don't know if you remember. So, like, I don't know, 33, 36, I don't know. Uh, but anyway, I remember, you remember certain things that stick out in your head. And I remember I got my hair, it was the first time I uh, finished somebody in the UFC. I got a, I got a triangle joke. And I remember I, I was having my hand raised and I remember seeing you through the cage. I remember this. You're not going to remember this. And you were the champion. You, there's no re- And we knew each other, like, like we met each other before. We were friendly, yeah. but we didn't know each other that much. And I remember you were genuinely happy for me. I remember Matt locking eyes and you were like, yes, yeah, Sarah, I remember that shit. Yeah. I don't know why, but I remember it. See, it's the little things like that, right? Is that weird? Yeah, no, I get it. Because it is. Because it's just a generally, and it's like I said, you just learn that there's a lot of people out there. And it's always said that one of the things people ask about being quote unquote famous, what's the thing you learned about 10 people? You're going to love this. And I'm like, you know, three, and I usually say three or four, they just want to, they see you smile and they just want to knock it off your face. They don't care why you're smiling. They just know they're not smiling and they just want to smack that thing off your face, right? And then you get about three, four more, and I'll say four. They're, hey, high five, congratulations. But behind your back, they got the middle finger. They're like, man, whatever. If I could ever fight about crushing. But, you know, and then you'll have two out of 10. And I say two maybe three, you've got me actually feeling a little better. So I'll say three that are genuinely happy for you for no other reason. than it's just great to see other people doing what they love and have a smile on their face and you just, and you enjoy it. And that's one of the biggest things I've learned. I think just about throughout the entire career, our entire process, what we've been through is, you know, this, and I always want to just be that real person. I was genuinely excited to see people, you know, I mean, to see them do what they love and win. And I think that's one of the things when I got to commentate, you could almost see that was because two things. One, I knew that they were going to go back and watch the fight. Because I always wanted to hear what the commentator had to say about me. So I knew how important that was, right? And it's just to be genuinely happy for certain people and just watch them smash it. Even if they are at your weight, you may have to fight him one time. But it's like, I like Matt Sarah. I like how he is. I like his bold words. He cracks me up. He's just a crazy SOB, you know what I mean, with his chat. I'm not even talking about the time you held my man down and we was giving him a lecture in the restaurant and telling him not to be so mean. You went viral for that one. I'm like, dude, you're my hero. You're one of my heroes, you know? And it's it's so cool to be sitting here rapping with you. It's like, it's hard not to fanboy at the same token. But yeah, man, it's cool because when you just think about why watching your rise and watching all the fighters rise in the UFC, there was a time things were a lot more personal. You know what I mean? When we all got together, it was more like a reunion now because it's, and I'm glad that there's so many fights. It now gets to be a business. But back then, it was more like a reunion. We all got to see each other every couple of months. Like, man, how's everybody been? So many of us. fighting. It wasn't that many of us. Wasn't at all. It was guys fighting like the same guys or different guys. Inter- I mean, I mean, what was the roster back then? I don't know. Not a lot. <laughs> yeah, not too many. And then there wasn't, you know, the up and comers and stuff like that. So it's just everybody just kind of fought each other. And it was just, you know, you're just happy for them or you're not. It's just, you know, one of those things. I remember when that. And first of all, you talk about you being a coach. You were great on the Ultimate Fighter as a coach. Yeah, I was frustrated, but I liked it. I had fun. You know, I was humbled. I had no choice but to be a great coach because I got Joe Joe Lazon who knocked me out and he's on the show. So it's not like I'm going to be able to sit there and go, yo, I'm this bad man, the JAMA world champion. Listen to me. I'm the coach. I do what I say. It was one of those. I sat down and said, look, here's the deal. I've, I'm, I'm not the best coach in the world. I'm not the best fighter in the world. 
You know what I mean? No, I'm sorry, not about the coach, but I'm not the best fighter in the world, but here's what I can. In fact, I lost to somebody that's going to be on the other team. So how is it I can sit here and coach all of you and feel like I have that, like, what gives me the qualification to do this? And I told him, simple. I started from zero. And I rose to a world title. But what made it even better is I watched other fighters start from zero and rose to a world championship. Matt Hughes, you know, things like that. Even though Jeremy Horn, who never got the belt, he was another phenomenal fighter. Tim Sylvia walked in the first time and he was so awkward and out of shape that to watch him grind up. So I told everybody on the, on the team, I said, look, I know what it takes to be a world champion. It's matter or not, it's, it's how you utilize it. You already have your coaches. I just want you to be the best in shape fighter that you can be with the style that you already have. And we're just going to make it sharper. And that's the one thing, you know, I mean, you can try to change them and yeah. fight them, but they already have their coaches. Hey man, uh, good point. What about Jeremy Horn? How great was he? My favorite fighter on the planet. People still ask to this day is who's your favorite fighter? I go, Jeremy Horn, most well-rounded. So and, but again, the reason why we call him Gumby, because it wasn't like he was just muscled out. I know he does. I'm not calling him chubby. I'm not calling He was just, he didn't have that super flexed physique. You know what I mean? So we used to always laugh. Yeah, Jeremy Horn, Matt Hughes, Tony Franklin, and me standing there. Oh, you're going to pick Jeremy Horn. If you're going to just out of the crew, who am I going to beat up here? I'm going to fight Jeremy Horn. And we would all sit back and laugh. It's like, wow, you just made like the worst mistake of your life. Talk about never judge a book by its cover. Jeremy Horn was literally the epitome of that with his skill set and just the way that he was as a person. So funny. I was at a fight in Jersey and he was fighting. And they're like, and at a chiseled 6-1, whatever he is, I seen him literally, he's about to fight. I seen him literally like smirk and look over to his corner like, are you serious? <laughs> you notice he's got like a little, like a little, little he looks soft. He, oh, looks like, soft. he looks like just a kind of a soft guy, but he, man, he was so well-rounded and uh, he really put it together nicely. You know, your yeah. whole team back then, the, uh, the, the Militich, Pat Militich's team, right? I mean, you, yeah, well, the MFS crew. Was it? Yeah, the MFS, Militich Fighting Systems. Yes. Yeah. You guys had a, you know, you had a hard, what was the, uh, the recipe? Just a lot of hardcore training? I think the biggest thing was we, we had two things talking about was we never wanted to experience something in the, in the cage. So yeah. the sparring sessions, yes, they were tough. People talk about that, the leg kicks. If I was going to feel a really deep leg kick, it better be in practice. If I'm going to feel that first big punch, because, you know, you don't want to go out there and feel it for the first time in the fight. Like, oh, yes. what is that? So we kind of had that idea. But above that, we just wanted to be in phenomenal shape. Yeah. That was just to be able to outwork everybody was the goal. You know what I mean? The more shots you could throw at somebody and just not get tired. That was the key was we just were, we, I mean, we were just ruffians. And that was like, yeah. I think at the crossover, it was at that time in the sport where conditioning and just really hardcore, just grind it out, grind it out. It was that time. Cause before that you had, like you said, it was really one dimensional, you know, like coach Saif was saying with the people would just hit the ground and they would just have their hands in the air. They didn't know what to do or they were, if they were just stand up or they were so much ground, they didn't know what to do with the stand up to get to the ground. You know what I mean? And then people started getting crossed over and getting more mixed up. And that's when fitness really came into it. And I think that was one of the things we were just the first train, yeah. you know, because I talking about how people like they had full-time jobs and then they would do this as a hobby. And then we yeah. were kind of the, one of the first gyms where it's like, we all moved in from college, college wrestlers, stuff like that. We're like, I want to do this full-time. And that's why when I moved out to Iowa, I'm like, wait, you're all training in the morning and coming back in the evening. Yeah. Oh, 
oh, I'm in heaven. And that's, two days. you know, <laughs> yep, the two days. But see, in the beginning, a lot of people don't understand that that wasn't always the norm like yeah. it is, you know, like now. Uh, people didn't train. They, well, now people know it's a, like a legit sport. Back then, it was still a little. I remember fighting back in the day, taking fights, and we didn't get paid a lot in the UFC. I mean, I don't think the money was there. And I remember being like, look, I'm going to do this now because this might be done in a few years. Yep. <laughs> I'm going to be like, oh, this is something I can tell my grandkids. I used to, hey, granddad used to fight in a cage because this night might not be around. I remember yep. thinking it might be over soon. Yeah. Right? Well, they were always talking to me. It's like, because I just graduated college and I had a job and I was like three months in and went, I got my first UFC fight. You know, and they said, we want to start this 155 pound division. We want you to fight. I said, okay. And I won. And then I was like, wow, I want to do this. And my mother's like, you're out your mind. It's only legal in three states. You don't have your weight class. No way. You're out your mind. You know what I mean? And cut me off at any time. Cause I know we got another guest. So no, 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 I'm just saying, no. cut me off at any time. Um, and that was one, and they're like, and like, you're gonna do what? I go, yeah, I want to do this full time. I want to be a world champion. I don't know how long the sport's gonna be around, but I want to be a world champion. And it was also because the lady that that gave me the job, I was working at a high school, was gonna be the wrestling coach. She said it, and it resonated. She goes, you know, life is short, Jens, but that athletic life is just a sliver. It you can go out there and make your stories, and you can always come back here and share those stories. Go fill your book. Gone. Poosh, I was out. Go fill your book. Go fill I your like book. That. Who was that? Your guidance counselor? That was no, that was my boss. She was the principal at the school. I was the head wrestling coach and a resource officer right out of college. And she just said, go fill your book. And that, so ever since that's what I've been doing is because remember at the end of the day, think about it. That's all we're left with are our stories. It and it's like, true. how many stories do you have? I tell these young kids, like, look, you, they, you can live in the moment, but you know, even if you're putting something away every month, a couple hundred dollars, some kind of mutual funds, like, you know, that could be like your retirement. Like, oh, you don't touch it. Like, you know what I mean? Talk to the right yeah. people. Yeah. You know, did you watch uh, Brandon Marino's fight? I Over did. You want intense, very intense. He went after it. Now, I don't understand the whole stoppage of it with two seconds left. I mean, I felt bad for Roybot with the, with the shoulder. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Remember, yeah, the shoulder. Oh, and no, it's like he was laying there and he was screaming. But intelligent defense, I think a lot of people tend to forget the idea of intelligent defense. Whether or not you're hurt, sitting there covered up is not intelligent. It's going to yeah. get stopped. It does suck that he was two seconds away from possibly being able to – he was uh, was almost ready, you know, if he would just held on. But, again, hindsight 2020, it is what it is. But And then all of a sudden it popped back in. His coach popped it in, and he was good. But, wow, when he fell down. But to go back to Moreno, what an aggressive kid. What a phenomenal fight. He really took it to him. And just the way that he came out there, and, you know, it's – I thought that he could have been right there fighting for the title. You know what I mean? And then yeah. to, to not, you know, there's risk in all that when you're out there and you're like right there at the top and you're one fight away and now you're ready to fight for the belt. You don't really want to mix it up too many times because something could happen in the sport of MMA and you lose and now you're down, you're getting bumped down a couple fights yeah. away from that belt. You know, but for him to step up and fight the way he did, he looked impressive. Hey, impressive. Man. And Brandon Ravel, I know it's unfortunate. I think that they had to stop it. I mean, I think that yeah. that I don't think he would have walked back to that corner like nothing's happening. 
there's a poker face and there's your shoulder coming out. You know what well, I mean? That's it. Well, and your shoulder's out and you're just laying there and, and Moreno's just popping, popping. And again, we go back to intelligence. Whether or not there's two seconds, 10 seconds, 20 seconds, fight is the fight and the referee has that choice. And it's it's a bad situation for Roy Val, but... Yeah, you got to understand. And Roy Val doesn't know that it's going to get popped right back in. <laughs> you know nobody, what I mean? Yeah, nobody does. something exactly. that happens. Unless he's like fucking Mel Gibson from Lethal Weapon, where he does that shit to make some. It happens all the time, and he hits himself he, in the armpit. He slams himself. <laughs> he makes some money. He's got Danny Glover making a. They then taking bets in the uh, the police precinct. He puts himself in a in a straight jacket. Straight jacket. Get at it. Yeah. Uh, he yeah. pops the thing out. That's a good. They don't make good cop movies anymore. No. I keep saying that uh, cop buddy movies. I keep saying that me and Dean Thomas should be a nice cop buddy movie. You guys would be phenomenal. It'd be funny. It'd be damned to watch you two right there. That'd be savage. You two roll around. It's already, like I said, watching you two and the antics you go through with Dana. I'm telling you, it's just, it's too much. Listen to you two. Now, we get into more of that barbecue and stuff like that. I want to sit down with y'all riding the horses. You got to get on that bucking ball. You weren't down. So, like I said, I watch and follow a lot of the stuff you guys do. Yeah, it's pretty comedic to watch you guys. It's, It's a lot of fun. Hey, that's a great idea. I mean, it's a great idea to go out there and experience, you know, and to do stuff like that. You know, you love it. Oh, I fucking love it. I yeah. love it. I'm not going to lie. And now we got looking forward to a fight. So we go and we just do some wacky stuff. Hey, listen, I got as many kids as you. You have three kids, no? Yeah. And where do you live now, Jens? Where is I'm it? still in Iowa. Live? I'm never leaving. I'm never leaving oh, Iowa. Tell me I'm why you here. love Iowa. What is it? The cornfield? You know, well, it's the cornfield. The weathers are extreme. The weathers are extreme for sure. But I think every time with all the traveling and stuff I've done, I used to be, I'm a Seattle kid. I'm a Seattle kid. It's where I was born and raised. Seattle, Seattle, Seattle. Maple really? Valley, you know, yeah. Seattle. Yeah. Maple Valley, Washington, just south side of Seattle. And then when I moved out to Iowa, every time I travel, I'm so happy to get back here because it's just, it's laid back. I think the extreme weathers, I love my neighbors. I just, I love the school that my kids go to. You know what I'm saying? My son and daughter. What is the ages of your kids? Uh, uh, 12, well, my son will be 12 here wow. coming up. And my daughter, yeah, she'll be nine. So she'll be 10 years old coming up. So it's, you know what I mean? And then Madeline, she's 18, she'll be 18 in March. So wow. yeah, yeah. But it's, so my babies, and it's crazy because we were just thinking about it. My son, this is his last year at the elementary school. My daughter's all sad. He's going to go to junior high next year. And I'm like, hey, he's about to go to junior high. I'm like, can I give you a little bit of advice? Because before when I was talking to you and I haven't seen you, you said it's been a minute. Yeah, that sounds like a young kid. I like that. But when you say junior high, I say junior high to my kids right now. Ah, oh, you're so old, dad. It's middle school. I'm like, what? <laughs> okay. Oh, is it middle school? Middle school? Oh, I, I don't know. Ask your kid. I want you to ask your kids after this, and then let me know later on. I will. Get my number after this. We get. We catch it, Jens. We're back. We're, we're gonna reunited. be friends. We're friends. We're reunited. I don't. We're I united, expect man. to talk to you more. I. I'm so I am jacked. Back I needed you as my sensei on the Twitch. I'm not. People think I'm full of shit because I keep talking about going on Twitch. But this is the deal. I want to tell the people out there. I'm a simple man. Kind of a simpleton. I'm not great. You're lucky. I got this camera working. I'm not the best. You know how you got your. The tech guy, or no, you might be the tech guy. No, you I've know. got the Snoop, I've got Snoopy. I've got I've got a Snoopy. That's his gamer Snoopy. name. That's I, I, Snoopy I'm with, gonna give you my Snoopy. He's in here's the thing. Share your Snoopy with I'm me. gonna share my Snoopy with you. That's exactly what I want. And that's it because I know because Weidman, he he streams and he he plays yes. video games. Oh yeah, no, I lurk. I, it's that, that whole lurking. Weidman, he's not in Long Island anymore. He moved. 
He, I lurk. I see him. He streams. And then, of course, I see Wonderboy. He does the UFC stream um, right. every other Friday. He does the Twitch TV UFC stream for, you know what I mean? Why, and I so Why can't I do this? I can do this. And, well, I, okay, but see, you need a snoop eye because, see, here's what I do. And I'll tell you real quick. Like, it's weird, but it, it, this is going to sound weird, but what? he's in my PC right now. No, I don't know. I, I got kids. I don't need no Snoop eye snipping around. No, I'm saying, no, I give him team viewer. He comes into the computer That's and he can set things that, that break or he can fix things for me real quick. And it's like, it's called the team viewer. And so he just comes in and he can, he can fix things. Listen, like so to, I'll throw my hands up when things go bad. I'm like, Snoop eye, Snoop eye. <laughs> I just stand here. You say Snoop Eye three times like Beetlejuice and he appears. Exactly. Yeah. And, there, and then boom, I see all of a sudden my, I don't have control on my mouse no more. It slides around. And I see him moving things. And I'm like, oh, yeah. So, but I couldn't do it without him. It's like, again, having a mechanic. If the car breaks, yeah. what Lucky. I can't, I would love to learn how to fix it, but I, I ain't doing it. I can't. I can't do electronics. I can't have an owl, a nail, but I have a decent right hand and I could pass a guard and rip a Kimura. Damn so listen, boy. it balances out. Jen's. Did you hear the uh, the latest the latest headlines, the latest news with Davison Figueredo? I'm not going to say it if you heard it. Now, is he supposed he's going to come back and is he fighting Moreno for the he's for the fighting belt? Brandon Moreno next month? Where is the date on that? Oh, December twelfth. Is that correct? Give me a thumbs up on my screen if that's correct, guys, or give me something. I believe it's the uh, December. Yes, it is. Thank you. Wow. So yeah, they take. I think that's going to be taking over for the fight with um, Aljo Sterling versus P Peter Yan, which I'm very upset about. Al, you know, my guy. You know how you feel with Aljo Sterling? Yeah, he's a savage. Yes, yes, yes. He's, he's phenomenal. Yeah, I love him. He's, he's phenomenal an fighter, fighter. Phenomenal human being. So what happened to Peter Yan? What happened with that fight? If I may, I have no idea. Something happened. Something on Peter Yan's part. I don't know. Injury or something. I I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to speculate. Okay. For some reason, he cannot fight. So we got that, and then um, so that well, I mean that's upsetting for me. But the good news for the fans, we get the fight of uh, Davison uh, uh, Davison Figueredo, who looked phenomenal over the weekend versus Alex Perez. Amazing, amazing. Perez is tough, man. He just he he just um, whose leg did he kick off before that? Juicy more Formiga, is that right? Yeah, from my from yeah, from Miga, from Miga no, with yeah, the calf it. kicks. Yeah, but then I if mean, you watch, beast. yeah, it's and a, if you watch the way Figueredo fights, it's like his two toughest fights were just against straight wrestlers with the takedowns and stuff. So I thought with Perez that this might be a a, a decent fight, you know. What I mean, in, in that aspect with the wrestling, shooting the takedowns and I, after I love Jens. Jens, I loved when he had his single leg, but when uh Alex had the uh, the single leg on Figueroa, and Figueroa went right for the uh, the knee bar for the uh, for the outside heel hook or inside yep. heel hook. He yeah, went, you see how he rolled underneath, oh, he so rolled beautiful. down and sagged. Oh, it's like wow, he gets he's, after it. He's and then after after um, uh, Alex got out of it, which was crafty. There was a scramble right into a beautiful guillotine, and he knew he knew to put his far leg up. That way, Brandon cannot pass the guard and get out of it. And once it was on, it was on. It like was you on. knew with those yeah. lanky, with those with those type of arms, like that that um, 
the wire. I bet you Figueredo has a has Ooh. has a squeeze that's was, like nobody's business. Right. You know, some people just have that really yes. hard to squeeze. You're like, oh my. For some people have that really powerful punch. I bet you Figueredo has that squeeze that it right. is. Just, yep. Right on the carotid artery, and uh, it was it was he was going to go to sleep if he didn't tap out. He's so uh, god of war. I love the whole. I don't normally like sunglasses inside. I don't mind when he does it. He's the god of war. He can do that shit. Him and Tony Ferguson get a pass on that. Yeah. yeah. Back in the day, Rashad, <laughs> Rashad Evans. He, if Rashad Evans was the guy he is now, I guarantee he's not wearing the, the sunglasses inside. It's not a big look. It's not a look everybody could pull off. I, it's not. Maybe the with the yellow tinted, the, the shooting glasses maybe I'll, on the inside or something. I'll do this. I'll do this. You know, I don't know about inside. I never really wore them. It wasn't my thing. But the one thing I like about how Figueredo, how he reached back over the head. Normally, like in wrestling, that's always the no-no to reach back. You always got to roll the other way, roll away from it, and got never reach over the head, right? Like in a switch or yeah. something yeah. like that, in the down position when you're referee's position. Yes. Never turn into reach over the head. But he did exactly exactly that and it was crazy because i kind of wonder about the wrestler press maybe you're not used to most people will bail, belly out and go yes. that direction and he didn't he didn't belly out he said ah and reached over the head and locked up that guillotine so quick that that's kind of the weirdness of one being a full a, a wrestler it's kind of you know what i mean you never if if someone's got your back and they got a body lock you never reach over the head you're always Push on the arms and turn it away, right? Well, because the reasoning, um, the sport of wrestling, obviously, he's used to guys doing that because they don't want their shoulders on the mat. The exactly. match is over. And exactly. guillotines, and I'm not talking about the twister type guillotine with the wrestler's goal, guillotines around the neck, it's not legal in, yeah. in, in yeah, wrestling. So we don't have to worry so about it. We'll shoot into them a hundred times. Yeah. But with Figueredo, Figueredo being a jujitsu man, He's used to that. He's used to he's getting taken down in a scramble. He's used to reaching for that. He probably done that a thousand times. Yeah. You know? The way he's that that first, leg. Yeah. That was far from a Hail Mary. You know, that's no. not somebody getting that and jumping to the guard. That was a beautiful transition, total control. But now when you look at his fight with uh Brandon Marino, Moreno, um, you have to look at his his last fight. Now, uh Brendan Raval is very crafty on the floor very yeah, before this this injury happened marino marino was he was still forcing the the, the grappling and being uh, aggressive with it being dominant with it you know so i know it's unfortunate the way it ended but brandon Raval is very very crafty yeah. so i think that's a very good fight even though it was short both fights were for, short his and Figueroa's fight with Devison and uh, and um, uh, who would I just say uh, Perez and then Royval and Royval and um, uh, Babyface <laughs> and Marino. Marino. <laughs> yeah, well, and that's the thing. But I love about Marino is his intensity. It's like he went out there to make a, to prove a point. Yes, you know what I'm saying. You know what it really reminds me of, and I don't without too much. I go way back, but like when Chuck Liddell was wanting that title shot. And he was wanting that title shot, but he wasn't sitting around and waiting. And they kept giving him the top fighter, the top guy. And he, he always had that risk of he could lose to a top guy, you know, while he's sitting around. He didn't want to just wait for that belt, wait for that title shot. He wanted to fight and stay active. And that's the one thing about with Moreno, not getting the title shot right this minute. And, you know, with Garbrandt being one, Garbrandt being a 25 pounder, that we'll get into that another day. That right there has me tripping. I was like, wait, 
25, Cody Garbrandt, 25. Yeah. Right. And then, but then to see Moreno to just go out there and put on that kind of fight and go after that kind of intensity and just, and basically he was putting it to Roy Val shoulder, not, he was doing a good job of nulling the length and the size of Roy Val with his grappling, which, you know, I mean, Moreno, he looked great. So now you got him fighting Figueredo who looked, I, do you say unbeatable? Did, did Figueroa look kind of unbeatable? Yeah, well, um, I, that's all. He looked extremely dangerous in every area. Unbeatable is a word that's that's hard for me to say. You can't say it in MMA, but you can say he, he's unbeatable-ish. Yeah. He's looking <laughs> really saying, tough. How about this? He's got the bases covered. You yeah. know what I mean? But, again, the fact, the fact that Brandon Marino was able – to um to, to shut down. I'm mean, not not. To, I mean, there was there was transitions, but he was ahead on the ground with Brandon Raval. Brandon Raval was, I'm telling you, very dangerous on the floor, extremely. So that's a good guy to fight before, uh, to fight before fighting Figueroa. Because yeah, if he can come him down, if, he, if that's going to be the game plan, he's got a shot of of doing that. I'm at least from what I'm seeing with his fight there. The short-lived fight with uh, Brandon Royval. And listen, I'm intrigued either way. Not to mention, before this fight, Figueroa was saying that he thought Brandon Marino was the harder fight. That's yeah. interesting also. Yeah. Well, now, now we're about to find out. And it's a short, quick, they're coming back so fast. Why? Just a month. That's Remember how we were talking about how these fights were so spaced back in the day? Now, all of a sudden, you got a title defense, and you coming right back, and you title defending again in a month? That's just gangster. I mean, that's hey, just gangster. Lewis Smoker, I saw his, uh, I'm 99%. Guys, I want you to do the research for me right now. Look this up. I just watched it. But uh, it, I believe it was his first fight in the UFC. And it was like four years ago. Brandon Marino was like 22 years old. I'm, I'm sorry, Brandon Marino. There's too many Brandons. Brandon yeah. Marino. And it was, his, it was his debut in the UFC. And he finished this up with, he finished this fight with an elbow up guillotine versus Lewis Smoker. Yeah. You guys, look that up for me, please, because I don't want to say the wrong name. I'm 99% sure that's his name. Confirmed, you're right. Thank you very much. I just don't, you know, I'm Jen's. You know, See, I'm with you, but we have, you know what it is? We have knowledge in our head. There's a lot of things I think I've heard, and I've got the same thing where I ask chat. I'm like, hey, is this, I might be somewhat correct, but I know I'm not too far off, but I, I believe. And that's how I like to prove I'm not punchy, because I believe that I heard something. No. Am I right? No, what's sad, what's sad though, Jens, is I literally watched it like an hour ago. But anyway, <laughs> I got the memory of a fucking goal. <laughs> but uh, but uh, uh, no, listen, with that fight, he stepped up and, and he took that fight and he finished with a beautiful elbow up guillotine. And that shows me that this kid, could, he could do it when the pressure's on. And he was so excited to be there. And uh, I'm excited for this kid. He's a likable yeah. kid, Brandon Marino. Yeah, he's very, he's very likable. He's very likable, and I'm happy that he's fighting for the title. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be looking for that. Hey, listen, hey, Jens, I can talk to you. I can talk to you all day long. I can make this a Rogan and talk to you for four hours. I, I miss you. I this miss is a you, reunion, brother. This is a reunion. This means a lot, so I appreciate it. This hey, is really cool. Rap with you. Before I let you go, what are you what are you what are you streaming now? You watching anything? You watching any TV shows or are you reading any books? Give me what besides the video games, which we're gonna have you do one more plug before we go, the Twitch stuff. What are you doing with your pastime? What you I'm way? taking you care of my kids. Well, my wife right now is so busy with COVID is everywhere, right? She's in the ICU, working in the ICU. So she's just day in and day out, really busy. And one of the things is, you know, is I just I don't want to be away from my children. 
I know. I want to be with them. And I don't want a babysitter raising them, you know, and stuff like that. So right now with COVID the way it is, being able to go over here and be on Twitch and is now has me analyzing, watching fights, breaking fights down. You know what I mean? Doing my street beef fights and stuff like that, you know, and, and just, and now I'm just, I'm just all things MMA, all things NHB, you know, but I, I, I want to be with my kids. I don't want to wake up and, you know what I mean? Again, like my son's about ready to go to, I think we'll call it junior high or middle school. Right? Well, I ask him in a minute. Yeah. Right. But it's one of those things like right now to have that opportunity to just, be with them that's kind of where i want to be because you know and like i said talking to you and talking with coach saeed there a minute ago and like when i decide to kick into my retirement is i want to train world champions i'm going to be on the road i'm going to be traveling you know what i mean we're going to be going a lot it's going to be really busy so i'm really enjoying this time right now with my children it's just i love it and i just you know laundry is my thing i love doing laundry and, <laughs> and i mean the dishes and everything like that so we just redid our kitchen so you know it's I love it. I mean, that's that's what I do. You well, I'm know, 100. Not gonna let my wife hear that last part because I got you. You know what I, I don't do? Do you know what I do? I I do stuff. I'm like a bad kid. Like I'll go to do. I do so. I do. I do kind of like messed up. And she'll be like, "Ah, you can. Let me do it." And I go, ah, but I try to do the dishes with the thing, and that's how it works. Jazz, listen. I gotta do what I gotta do. I gotta. Rip, I gotta rip Camores. I gotta pass guards. I gotta escape side control. You gotta be you. You gotta you know, be you. Listen, I'm gonna do it in laundry that smells good and <laughs> has dryer sheets that has all the. Uh, you know what I mean? Hey, where can they really quick just plug your Twitch thing one more time? All right, so it's just Twitch TV slash Jens Folder. Jens, uh, after we hang up, I'm gonna message you and uh, I'm gonna get your information. I want to talk to you. I want you to be my sensei with Twitch. I, I trust you. Or at least get me a, a Snuggie or whatever. I got you a Snoopy. I got you a Snuggie. I got you a Snoopy. I got hey, you. Jens, I had a blast, my Thank man. You. I want everybody in Unfiltered. My, Jimmy likes to call it the Unfiltered Army. I call that a little corny, but I like that. And it's okay. All our Unfiltered Army, we have a nice fan base here. I want you guys to watch Jen. Uh, this is your whole war. Type in Jens Lewis. Uh, Jens Pulver versus John Lewis. Type in Jens Pulver versus Cal Uno. What a war. I mean, listen, man. I enjoy your fights. You're a great person. And I'm happy that you were on today with me, buddy. Thank you. Thank you. And if they want, like tonight, I'll be on Twitch TV slash UFC. And we're going to be breaking down, again, the fights that we just watched this weekend. We'll be, um, so like, and then we go through the UFC fight pass. And I just get to go down all these rabbit holes. I mean, I'm going to grab some Sarah fights. There's going to be a lot of Sarah fights coming on here yes. tonight. So it, I'm going to be, I'm shouting it for you. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to do that for you. I'm not a massive the stony one and not the second GSP one. But listen, anything else, I'm game. Anything else, I got you. All I'm right. No first I'm show, no first chance but I got you. I'm with you. I don't want to watch them either. I don't want. I want to see the dominance. I'm in there for the dominance. Ah, you're the best, Jens, man. Thanks so much, dude. Yeah, brother. Up after soon again, and thanks for hanging out with me today. Always, thank you, brother. I appreciate it. The great, Jens. Over. Ready for a new and exciting career challenge? At DHL Supply Chain, you're part of a team committed to creating innovative solutions for some of the biggest brands in the world. We're recognized as a best place to work, where people are valued, supported, and respected. DHL Supply Chain is hiring for a wide range of salaried operational and functional roles. Previous experience in logistics is welcome, but not required. All opportunities, no boundaries. DHL Supply Chain. Apply today at joindhl.com. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters 
both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.